Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor Ron DeSantis signs legislation requiring university professors and students to be surveyed on their political beliefs. Donald Trump is staging his first big rally in Florida since the election, and big money is flowing into the governor's political committee from out of state. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Fins. But first, that music means it's time to pick some numbers. Uh, John, you have a number for us today? Zach, I sure do. I'm going big again this week. My number is 25,000. All right. How about you, Antonio? Well, I thought it would make uh, John a little envious and a certain gentleman named Dewey proud by picking a decimal figure, 806.135. Antonio going into the deep into the decimals here. And my number is five. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis continues his culture war fight with a bill requiring universities to survey their faculties and students about their political beliefs, presumably the first step in a push to get universities to hire more conservative professors. John, this idea has been floating around Tallahassee for a little while now. Why is it finally gaining approval? Well, it does seem like the right time uh, for conservative politicians to go after boogeymen that they seem to worn or around just about every corner, especially on college campuses. You know, liberal bias on college campuses is a recurring theme on Fox News and other conservative outlets. So so here we are with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis fighting back. Um, the legislation would create that survey of uh, staff, professors, and students who uh, which it claims is aimed at fostering intellectual diversity, but it seems like it's really reacting to this belief that you know woke college and university campuses are somehow quashing conservative beliefs and the expression of ideas that uh, you know kind of do not meet the norms that conservatives seem to fear are established by liberal faculty and student groups on campuses. Uh, DeSantis talks of schools, uh, his quote was, indoctrinating students. And uh, this bill is intended to stop that. But uh, again, you know, it, it, it sort of has a thought police uh, uh tone to it. And uh, it, again, seems to be going after something that nobody is really sure exists. And uh, of course, the, the the bill signing comes only a couple of weeks after the State Board of Education agreed to install a ban on what it called critical race theory being taught in schools. Um, it, it's, it's not now being taught. And the 1619 Project, which was a New York Times series that examined black history in this country, going back to when the first slaves arrived on these shores, uh, that, that's an specifically banned from being taught in schools. Again, critical race theory was portrayed as as demonizing uh, a population, uh, mostly white people, although uh, supporters say that's not what critical race theory is about at all. And uh, while a sponsor of the provision of the 1619 project, uh, banning that from being taught specifically, he, he admitted to, to not really fully examining it. Uh, the Board of Education still went ahead and banned it from being taught in Florida's K-12 schools. So, um, you know, th this intellectual diversity survey now coming along as sort of the next shoe to drop, it seems to be another piece in this puzzle of uh, coming to the defense of conservatives upset that they are 
likely in a minority in some places, probably university campuses, but it's, uh, it's unclear that they really need a new law to protect them. And uh, of course, critics of the survey say it's going to have a chilling effect, making faculty and administrators wary of programs and speech on campus. And, uh, and, and it brings politicians into a campus atmosphere that should be, should be more freewheeling, they say. Um, you know, ironically, the bill itself says that the survey is designed to promote intellectual freedom and viewpoint diversity. But that's what some people would say is, is going to be lost if people are are wary of running afoul of a conservative thought police or something like that. You know, with the uh, the, the wondering, w would universities uh, be reluctant to bring certain kinds of speakers to campus or, uh, you know, what kind of ca classroom debate takes place just because they, they fear uh, being challenged on this question of uh, are, are you, you know, uh, ridiculing conservative thought or trying to diminish it in some way. And uh, Zach, you indicated this concept had been around for a while. And indeed, you, you may be remembering what was a push only three years ago to end uh, speech policies on state university campuses, some of them which limited uh, student expression into free speech zones. Um, again, the, the, those quarantined, as they said at that time, uh, into these free speech zones were often conservatives. And the bill did pass, and it ended restricting speakers to these uh, free speech zones on campuses or setting up any kind of pre-approval process for uh, speakers or demonstrators. Again, it was uh, conservative organizations that promoted the legislation and said that you know, it was, uh, it was that they were being abused on college campuses. So for DeSantis, it's, a, it's another conservative badge, it just seems like. Uh, it ends a grievance, which was something that former President Trump, uh, you know, he, he seemed to build a campaign and a, and a presidency around grievances. And uh, DeSantis still seems to see that there's a base worth courting that has a lot of grievances. So, uh, there he is. He, he's the culture warrior fighting for conservative causes. Yeah, DeSantis really seems to have a, a Trumpian knack for finding these issues that really uh, resonate with uh, the conservative base. And this is just uh, another one this year. Well, uh, speaking of Trump, his office announced Wednesday that he will hold a July 3rd rally at the Sarasota Fairgrounds. The rally is Trump's first in Florida since the election and marks a return to campaign style events for the former president. Antonio, are we seeing the prelude of a 2024 Trump comeback bid or has he just become addicted to the uh, adoration of rally crowds and can't go too long without feeling that love? I don't know. But remember a couple of weeks ago in the uh, Val Demings, Marco Rubio segment, how I said it was sounding a lot like 2022. Well, on July 3rd, it's going to sound a lot like 2024 with quite a fireworks show to go along with it up there. And it's all happening in your backyard, I hear. Pretty wild. Uh, his third rally at the same place, uh, the the fairgrounds. So, you know, it, interesting, uh, you know, he's he's has a long history in Sarasota. He, he came here in 2012 and, um, you know, uh, he's uh, come back quite often. I think a lot of it because of Joe Gruder's the Sarasota GOP chair. Well, look, this is one of those cases where two seemingly contradictory views can be correct at the same time. One is that Trump is in control of the Republican Party. And the other is that Trump's political godson, Governor Ron DeSantis, has been the center of attention in GOP circles over the past five months and has been reaping lots of his own 2024 presidential speculation. 
First of all, look, for Trump, these rallies are a way of extending that megaphone beyond press releases, which PR professionals have told me is no substitute for social media. And of course, Trump remains banned from Facebook, Twitter, and all forms of, uh, of those platforms. They are also staged, literally, and a way to keep connected with his base, a base that Trump alone created with his unique brand of political WrestleMania. And they will also serve as a way to attack his nemesis and antithesis, President Joe Biden. And also, there is a way, they are a way to raise money. Trump, like no other Republican, has mastered the art of the small donor fundraiser. And these rallies will undoubtedly generate lots of money in the days that follow when the emails start coming in and and the, and the hand goes out to ask for money. Then there is also the, well, shall we say it, the DeSantis factor. Earlier in the year, Zach, remember, we covered that Trump coming out speech at CPAC in Orlando. There, a 2024 presidential straw poll first surprised everybody when DeSantis surged to second place among the attendees. We subsequently heard grumblings from other GOP camps that, well, that's because that CPAC meeting was in Orlando and it was stacked with people, Floridians who favored DeSantis, so forth and so forth. But guess what? Month later, other polls have come out also showing that DeSantis is a clear leader in a field sans Trump. Remove Trump and there is DeSantis is a leader of the pack. And in fact, there was a poll actually earlier this week that even had DeSantis a, a more favorable rating than, than Trump. We also discussed back in February that as long as Trump held back a decision on 2024, it created space for rivals to seek donors and campaign staff and start laying the groundwork for their own 2024 runs. Now, these rallies may well have the effect of freezing that possibility for potential rivals as, you know, as, as speculation that Trump will get in the race. Uh, donors and potential campaign staff will, 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 will probably hold their powder dry waiting to see what happens ultimately with him and his presidential aspirations. So the question to me, look, to watch at these rallies is Trump's messaging. Look, he is the Republican Party. No one in the GOP Trump personality cult, cult that we have today can stray away from Trump and remain politically relevant. But what about the millions of non-Republicans that voted for him in 2020? What's he going to tell them to keep them in his corner, especially after that January 6th insurrection and the clear mishandling of the pandemic? Polls this week showed that while Republicans believe lockstep the bogus claims of, of a stolen election, the rest of the country does not. Trump boasts that he got more votes than any incumbent president seeking re-election. That is true. But you know what's also true is that his 74 million plus votes were not enough to win. So in 2024, he has to keep all those non-Republicans that backed him in 2020, in 2020 in his camp. And then he has to add more. Would that narrow message that he didn't win you know, in, in 2020 somehow work magic for him in 2024? You know, beating the, uh, you know, the pulpit here on the whole issue of immigration, the same things from 2016 and 2020, will those be enough to get him over the top again in 2024? That's a question, and I, know, I wonder these rallies may start answering it. Yeah, and, and another thing that these rallies might answer is, you know, how much of the uh, of an appetite, I mean, uh, how, how big of a turnout is there? How big of a crowd? I mean, uh, we, we know that, um, you know, Trump still has a strong hold over, the GOP, but are they as fired up for him? Are you, are you interested to see kind of if the 
if the the energy is still there. Yeah, and I I have to look. If I were a betting guy in Vegas, I would bet the house that yeah, it would be particularly here in Florida where he is very popular, and in particularly in that part of the state where he is uber popular. So I I think he's going to get quite the the following, and I think you're going to hear the lock him up chants and you know and the grievances and. And it will be like the speech he gave at CPAC. It'll be like the speech he gave at and uh, at North Carolina, except this one, he's going to have his rally atmosphere and he's going to have people souped up. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be political WrestleMania. It'll be his show. But the question is, you know, that show was not enough to win in 2020. It, it will it will it somehow conjure up enough more votes along with, you know, these voter restriction laws that they passed in other states, you know, maybe, maybe that's a formula that gets him over the top if he chooses to run in, in, in you know, in, in a few years. Yeah. And uh, as Antonio mentioned, uh, it, it also uh, these rallies could freeze his rivals in, in place a little bit and uh, maybe limit some of the, the donation and the early uh, speculation about who will be his successor. And no, nobody has gotten more buzz about that uh, than. And Ron DeSantis, who really continues to get um, a lot of talk about his uh, 2024 presidential prospects, and he's pulling in big campaign contributions from donors around the country. A broad donor network would be a huge asset if DeSantis decides to run for higher office. John, you've been looking into the governor's fundraising. What have you found? Yeah, well, Zach, I went back to that February 28th uh, day. That's uh, the day Antonio mentioned earlier when he said at uh, CPAC, uh, DeSantis emerged as the uh, conservative Republican favorite for the 2024 presidential race if Trump doesn't run again. That's a big if. But as uh, political moments go, that seemed to vault DeSantis onto the national stage, making him uh, part of the conversation, you might say, you know, within the Republican base. And, and you know, maybe no surprise, the money has followed. Uh, since that date to the beginning of this month, DeSantis has collected a remarkable $27.3 million, and close to half of that money has come from people outside the state of Florida, about, about $12.7 million. Uh, that, that, that's just another reason that DeSantis is going to be a very formidable opponent for Democrats next year in his uh, gubernatorial election. Uh, the Democratic rival Charlie Crist and uh, Nikki Freed are likely going to be far outmatched in fundraising unless uh, national Democrats uh, do for them what the Republican base so far is doing for the Florida governor. And that's, uh, you know, pony up <laughs> large and small. Uh, there, there's a, a little bit of a pattern here with DeSantis, though, too. He was helped nationally by Republicans after Trump tweeted his endorsement out uh, back in 2018 and then appeared with him at a big rally just uh, a few weeks before the Republican primary in which uh, he ultimately clobbered uh, Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam, who had been the early favorite for the race uh, that, at that time. Uh, the national money... Uh, started flowing, uh, in, in, you know, just ahead of that primary, and it just kept coming his way during the 2018 campaign. Now that money is uh, is kicking up again. The 27 million is uh, in a short three month span, and it stands, you know, really in contrast to the same time last year when he had raised 
really less than half a million dollars for his friends of Ron DeSantis committee. Uh, that, of course, was during the COVID-19 period when most fundraising was largely shut down. But but when this year he's collected, you know, almost 13 million from out-of-staters, last year he had only brought in $4,400 from people outside Florida in March through May. But, um, you know, all that seemed to change with the CPAC conference. And now, just last weekend, he was named uh, the White House favorite at the Western Conservative Summit in Denver, uh, this time even narrowly topping Trump as the, uh, you know, hopeful uh, standard bearer for conservatives uh, in 2024. But um, but before 2024, you know, for, uh, DeSantis first has to run for governor again. And, uh, you know, that's where this money will come in handy. He uh, has more than $39 million cash on hand uh, in that spending account. Uh, and really, you know, you got Freed and Christ are only at the beginning stage of their fundraising. And uh, when you look at who's giving, well, some are big time Republican donors, uh, some with Trump ties. Uh, there, there's one guy, John Childs, a big Boston equity fund manager. He gave DeSantis $250,000 this spring. Uh, that is on top of having put $600,000 into his governor's race uh, just three years ago. Uh, Childs, though, has had some rough spots since then. He was uh, arrested, uh, but charges later dropped as part of that investigation of massage parlors that uh, had snared New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, who uh, also ultimately was cleared of charges. But uh, Childs has quit the equity firm that he founded. So uh, DeSantis, uh, you know, has to hope that he still has some money uh, to steer his way. But uh, but then you got a lot of other small donors, the kind of uh, givers who are just getting to know DeSantis through Fox News and the, uh, the hard-edged policies that he's advancing, like limiting vote by mail, banning transgender athletes from competing in women's sports, uh, regulating Facebook and Twitter and cracking down on violent protests. Uh, one guy I spoke with from Tennessee sent him $50 over his iPhone after hearing something on TV about DeSantis uh, defying COVID shutdown efforts. Uh, the, the, the donor liked that and says the governor, you know, basically advances the kind of conservative causes that he supports. But, um, but, you know, in addition to the cold cash, uh, Antonio was speaking about the power of uh, that small donor uh, base. Uh, this kind of database of donors is really important to DeSantis. He can spend the money for the governor's race, then turn around. And if there's a White House run in his future, he can he can crank it up again and uh, add to it uh, in trying to to build what would have to be an even bigger account for that race. But um, but, you know, here he has a a, a vast database of uh people that like him and gave to his campaign. Uh, the risky side for DeSantis right now, though, of course, is that he gets too far out over his skis. He becomes too national in his policies and alienates Florida voters. If he looks like he's angling for the White House at every step and uh, spending too much time away fundraising. So, uh, you know, he has to uh, so far, he seems to have avoided that with bill signings taking him around the state these days. But the uh, the bills are dwindling, and uh, and by by late summer, it's likely that he'll be in full reelection mode. Although, uh, you know, answering those calls anytime on Fox News would would likely uh, you know bring him even more money from the right uh, when when he can weigh in on you know so, some issue that Fox News wants to hear from Ron DeSantis on. Uh, it, it seems like he'll be ready, and uh, and the money from those appearances also seems to follow, uh, presumably. John, is it is it fair to 
take away from your reporting that uh, this DeSantis buzz is is real? I mean, the 12 million from out of state, some guy, you know, gives him 50 bucks on his iPhone. I mean, do you get a sense that uh, he has sort of penetrated the larger, you know, nationwide GOP consciousness more than most other Republicans right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, others are out there. It's a big field, of course. You have, you know, Mike Pompeo, Christy Nome. Uh, you know, undoubtedly, you're going to see Ted Cruz again. Uh, uh, there, there are plenty of uh, Mike Pence. There are plenty of uh, others that are looking at the White House. But it seems like DeSantis has uh, has really captivated a lot of that Trumpian base. And uh, people seem to look at DeSantis as, you know, even in some way, a cut above Trump in that he's he's smart, he's articulate, he doesn't have all the enemies out there, it seems, that Trump has had. He doesn't go off on the tangents that Trump has done before. They seem to like his, uh, you know, leadership, governorship style. And uh, they, they, they like him as an administrator as well. One person I spoke to who had attended a fundraiser with him in California just a few weeks ago uh, said she was like blown away at how uh, great he was in person. And uh, she also talked about how he had done his own research on COVID. And uh, like, that's something he uh, said he did, you know, uh, at this fundraiser. And she found that very, uh, very impressive that, you know, all his uh, his actions were based on his own, uh, you know, kind of examination, at least in the in the view of uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, and of course, this is somebody in California who, uh, you know, is is repelled by uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom and, you know, the, the kind of stricter lockdown policies that have been common in California for so long. But um, but there are people with money and there are people that are willing to share that money with Ron DeSantis right now. All right. Sounds like a lot of good reporting in that story. Uh, stay tuned, folks. That'll be uh, up uh, on uh, uh, websites around the state uh, very soon and uh, look forward to reading it. Well, we'll move on to uh, some numbers here. Uh, Antonio, uh, you want to tell us about your many decimal points? <laughs> yeah, 806.135. This is a section of the state's new anti-riot, anti-public disorder law. Listeners of this podcast will remember us talking about the law when it was working its way through the legislature this spring as HB1 or, or House Bill 1. Now, critics of the law questioned its, or doubted its constitutionality. They also criticized what they said were racial dog whistles behind it because the law was intended to crack down on public protests like the ones that we saw after last year's killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer. Another trigger for the law were the scenes of protesters tearing down Confederate statues and memorials in the recent years. And in fact, one of those incidents, by the way, happened here in Florida in West Palm Beach uh, a few years ago, 2017 or 2018, when a Confederate monument at a local cemetery was spray painted and then ultimately removed. Now, all of that was enough to trigger state lawmakers to crack down with HB1, which is now part of the Florida statutes. And sure enough, there is already an instance where that law may be put in effect, in particular the section against defacing and vandalizing a public memorial or landmark. That potential violation is in Delray Beach, but it isn't an Antifa protester who's accused of the crime. Neither is it a Black Lives Matter protester. No, it's a Trump supporter. Police say that Alexander Jarek, age 20, vandalized a rainbow-colored pride crosswalk in his uh, Chevrolet pickup sporting a Trump flag uh, back earlier this month. That incident, cops say, happened on June 14th 
the day that Trump supporters in Palm Beach County convened for a roadside flag-waving rally in West Palm to mark the former president's 75th birthday. Afterwards, police say, Jarek hopped into his pickup and somehow ended up in Delray Beach where he burned two skid marks into the painted Pride crosswalk in that city. Jarek was charged originally with criminal mischief, but now could face enhanced crime charges. And there are also calls to enforce the new combating public disorder law, specifically Section 806.135. That section of the law makes it a third-degree felony if someone, quote-unquote, willfully or maliciously defaces, injures, or otherwise damages by any means a memorial or historic property. Local prosecutors in Palm Beach County say they are reviewing the case to see if the law applies. If so, the first person ever to be charged with breaking that anti-riot law and anti-public disorder law would be a Trump supporter and not some left-wing radical. If so, it would be another reminder of be careful what you ask for. All right. That would be uh, pretty ironic if uh, that is the first case to be prosecuted, John. Uh, your number was 25,000. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, Zach, uh, 25,000 is the new number of uh, voters that uh, State Rep. Anna Escamani, an Orlando Democrat, hopes to add to Florida's voter rolls in time for next year's elections. Her People Power for Florida political committee is holding training sessions in the coming days for volunteer leaders who are expected to begin working in uh, communities to register people to vote and uh, organize groups that will further work to register voters. So, um, you know, 25,000 new voters, uh, if you can add those to the rolls, that's a relatively modest number in a state with more than 14 and a half million registered voters. But it could be significant given the state's history. Uh, you know, remember, uh, Republican Governor DeSantis is a uh, he, he's going to be a big target, obviously, of this people power voter registration effort. But uh, he, he's governor on the strength of an election victory in which he outpolled Democrat uh, Andrew Gillum by just under 34,000 votes. So um, there's not much of a distance between uh, the, the 25,000 new voters that Escamani wants to add and that margin of victory for DeSantis. Uh, DeSantis had, had a less than half of 1% victory, and Florida's last three governor's races have all been decided by margins of less than 3%. So we don't have too many landslides when it comes to uh, you know who gets elected in, in governor in Florida. So 25,000 new voters coming out of one organization, that, that, that could be noteworthy. And it also will be coupled with other voter registration drives that the, uh, the state Democratic Party and other allied organizations will be doing. Uh, speaking of Gillum, you remember, you know, Gillum had promised to lead a voter registration drive after his 2018 defeat by DeSantis, uh, planning to use uh, leftover campaign funds, but uh, that never fully materialized. And a big chunk of that money uh, has gone to legal fees covering his own personal issues. Uh, you, you, you remember him passed out uh, in a Miami Beach hotel room with a uh, male escort. Um Florida Democrats uh, clearly uh, at this point need all the help they can get. Uh, we, we mentioned DeSantis's fundraising ability and his uh, rising national uh, profile. Um, uh, Escamani, though, is a, an incredibly hardworking, smart, straight shooting progressive with a uh, history as a community organizer. She, uh, you know, was talked of as a possible gubernatorial candidate herself, but is uh, pretty measured in her approach. And it looks like her efforts will help uh, DeSantis rivals Chris uh, Freed and U.S. Senate candidate Val Demings this year. 
But, um, you know, if, if, if Democrats need any more harsh perspective on the direction the state seems to be going, though, uh, it's, it's, it's this. Uh, you know, Florida Democrats have, in modern history, have always had more registered Democrats than Republicans. But that margin has been shrinking to where, during last fall's election, it fell to just over 134,000 voters. That was the edge that Democrats in registration had over Republicans. That was the smallest in modern history in Florida. But 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 wait, as of April, the margin is under 90,000 voters. Again, out of 14 and a half million registered voters. So um, th- there's 25,000 new voters that Escamani wants to scare up. They're going to come in handy for Democrats that are already facing a very tall task in the fall of 2022. Yeah, Democrat registration efforts in Florida really peaked with the Obama campaigns in 2008 and 2012, and they've been struggling to uh, reach those levels ever since then. And uh, despite big promises, they've always uh, seemed to to fall short. We'll see what happens uh, this time around. My number is five, as in uh, Trump's rally in Sarasota next week is his fifth visit to the community since uh, 2012 and his third rally here since he announced uh, for president uh, back in 2015. Sarasota has played a prominent role in Trump's political career, so it's fitting that his first big post-presidential rally is here. Much of that is thanks to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Sarasota GOP chair Joe Gruters, who first brought Trump to town in 2012 on the eve of the Republican National Convention in Tampa, giving him Uh, some national media exposure at a time uh, when the GOP establishment was really shunning him and he was left off the convention speaker lineup because of his uh, espousing of the birtherism uh, theory that Obama wasn't born uh, in the country. Gruters bought Trump back to Sarasota in 2015. And during uh, that event, Trump hinted that he would soon be making a big announcement. He launched his presidency campaign shortly afterwards. Trump's two rallies in Sarasota during the 2016 campaign were typically raucous, boisterous, over-the-top events. One of them even featured an elephant with Make America Great uh, Great Again painted uh, on the side in big white letters. Of course, Trump went on to win the presidency in 2016. He didn't hold any rallies in Sarasota during his 2020 campaign. And while he won Florida, he lost the presidency to Joe Biden. So maybe Sarasota was good luck for him. Maybe uh, if he is staging a comeback uh, effort in 2024, it might be a good sign that he's starting here. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. Thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.